Hey friends, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in our mess. I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this Conversation Style podcast, which airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday. So listen, this is not a marketing tactic or a PR strategy, but if you don't want to fuss with setting an alarm or making sure to remember when a new episode is supposed to come out, you can make the easier choice to subscribe for free from your venue of choice, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or if you're more of an email kind of person, you can join my personal email list and I will send you a happy notification to your inbox every time a new story goes live. Well, guess what? Back again, joining me as my co-host is my fiery, fun, fashionable, and always encouraging friend, LaTanya Pratt. And y'all, The Messy Table is partnered with the Women of Life Church, as well as all kinds of ladies from various churches and cities and backgrounds all over the world. We truly consider it such a privilege to lock arms with the bravely surrendered women like yourself who are humbly asking and boldly allowing God to rewrite their stories. So right now, whether you're driving or working or folding laundry or hiding in the bathroom from your toddler, you matter to God and you matter to us. And before we dive in with our awesome guest for today, if you would go back with me about 2000 years to a story recorded by John, one of Jesus's closest friends, a story more commonly known as the woman at the well, basically because this particular woman was a Samaritan, not a Jew, and a woman, and a woman with the reputation of, let's say, getting around. Jesus had to, and chose to, step across the cultural lines, racial lines, gender lines of that time to step into her world. He told her things about herself that he shouldn't have known. Well, he shouldn't have known unless he was God. He told her where she could find true, thirst-quenching water that didn't require a midday trek to the well. His words and tone and gentle pursuit compelled her to leave her jar of water and tell everyone in town about this man who might just be the long-awaited Messiah. You know, it's interesting. We don't even know her name, but she taught us a valuable lesson. She taught us that our stories of being found by Jesus can point others to Him as well. John 4 tells us that many Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. Then they met Him for themselves. They spent several days with Him. And the scripture goes on to tell us many more believed because of His words. It's even recorded what the people said to the woman. It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that He is indeed the Savior of the world. Do you see what happened right there? This nameless woman's story was a catalyst to help others find God. And likewise, each one of our stories are powerful tools for leading others to His mercy, His grace. And as the Jesus Storybook Bible so perfectly describes, His never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Guys, I share all this because today's guest at The Messy Table has a story to share, and that story will no doubt point you back to Jesus. Jessica Hall is a wife, mama, child therapist, and fashion and faith blogger who has been through the fire. A survivor of sexual abuse by a stepdad, as well as severe emotional abuse by her mother, who's now serving a life sentence in prison. Yes, what she was handed was a shaky foundation and a should-be statistic. But when I say her story left LaTanya and me speechless, I mean speechless. Guys, even the things that make us ask why, even when we can't comprehend the pain in our individual stories, even with the darkest parts of our lives, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ and nothing can stop a woman who's been found out and set free by the living water of Christ. 
Y'all, that's exactly what comes to mind when I think of Jessica Hall. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us for a chat with Jess. LaTanya, you are back. I'm back. Really, you're the star of the show. Of course, right? Yeah, I'm here once. No, you've been on here several times. Yes, I have. I get confused because I'm always at your house and I feel like I can't tell the difference. You were the very first interview ever when we didn't know what the heck we were doing. And then you came on for the panel and you interviewed me. That's true. And guess what? I brought a friend with me to the table. I have Jessica Hall. Welcome, Jessica. Hey, guys. So... Funny story. I don't know if this is going to make it or not. This is going to make the cut or not. Um, how I met Jessica was at Church on the Move. And everyone's like, you're going to love Jess said. And I remember being like, oh, thank you. I can't wait to meet him. And I got home and I was like, babe, you know Jess said are black, right? That's why everybody's letting us know. <laughs> and then I see this beautiful black woman walking in. She's got her children. Her hair is like blowing in the wind. It's slow motion. And do you remember this? I, I literally did. like run up mid-conversation. I'm like, you must be Jessica. I'm supposed to meet you. And you're like, oh, hi, hi, strong. But <laughs> back up a little. Yeah, really. And I just remembered, like, from that moment, I just knew that you were supposed to be in my life. I was going to be in your life, regardless if you wanted me or not. And I think that's what brought us to you being in my living room every Sunday evening and me realizing just how amazing you really are and how amazing God is creating this story that's that's happening inside of you. So I'm excited to have you meet my bestie, Jen, and tell the world about how God is using you in an amazing way. That is so exciting. I remember that day, like, (laughs) because I'm such an introvert and you came screaming (laughs) and yelling towards me. And I'm like, no, it's this lady. I do not know this crazy white lady. I think we have a connection because of a flag. So I was like, hey, hi. (laughs) That's exactly how it was. But I love it. So who who are you? Okay, so I am Jessica Loria Hall. I am 30 years old. I've been married for six years. I have two kiddos. During the day, I am a full-time therapist. In the evening, I started this lifestyle mommy faith blogging thing that I'm Very I got cool. going on right now. Awesome. Is that your middle name or is that a part of your first name? Oh, Lord, yo, it's my middle name. I like it. Thank you. That's pretty. So what else? Do you have any like life hacks or tricks that we need to know? Yes. I love cooking. And when I cook, I cook like I'm on chop, the cooking show, you oh. know, where you are like under pressure and under time and you only have so many ingredients. So I have like 10 ingredients and I have to figure out what I'm going to make. And nice. so I like hurry up and come up with this dish and then I present it to my kids and then my son He's always like, okay, mom, so what do we have here? Oh, we have this today. Like last night, we had taco soup with tortilla chips. Nice. I made taco soup this week too. Oh. Yours is probably fancier because Latanya said that you like put us all to shame. I'm sorry. She's, she's <laughs> sorry. She's I'm like, sorry. yeah, you're right. <laughs> we had Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is good. Let and I put that on that plate. Look good. <laughs> All right. Well, we all have a little mess in our life. So tell us about a time when, for you, life has been messy, but still you've experienced God's faithfulness. Well, it was really hard when I got this question because I feel like my whole life has been a mess. Mm. I've dealt with so many different, like, messy things from being a survivor of childhood sexual abuse to dealing with issues with my mom to all different types of pressure. And now my mom's in prison for life. So it's like one thing after another kind of just continually compounds on one another, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So I'm just 
trying to figure out, you know, like what's the best way for me to deal with my mess. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I was abused from the time I was five. till I was 12 years old. Um, It was by my stepfather and my mom knew about it. And when she found out about it, she didn't really stop it. It continued to happen until she was ready to deal with it. And so for me, I just felt like, okay, God, what are you doing with me? Like, why am I here? What, what is my purpose? Because Mm -hmm. for me, I didn't feel like I had that relationship with God. I felt like I hated God because why would you allow me to suffer like this over and over again? I felt like I was in a trap Mm -hmm. where I just could not get out. Mm. So you said this was by your stepdad. Yeah, he was uh, my little brother and sister's father. So I'm the oldest of three Mm -hmm. and I'm my father's only child, but my father had always been in and out of prison. So he wasn't in my life. And then my mom's long-term boyfriend was around since I was six months old, Mm -hmm. was the abuser. And And she knew about it. And she found out. She walked in on him one time. I I had to be around eight or nine. I remember her coming into my room and she saw him with his pants down right over my bed. And I ran into the bathroom and I was crying and she ran after me and she just was just hugging me and holding me. And she told him to get out like he left. But maybe like 30 days later, he was back. And for me, my mom had this problem with being alone. Like she didn't want to be alone. So she would do whatever it was to keep a man around. And so for me, it felt like he was more important than I was. We lived like that for at least till I was 12. And that was only because he kind of beat her really bad because they were in an abusive relationship Mm -hmm. and she couldn't take it anymore. She was just like, you know what? Just tell me everything. It's like she knew he was abusing me, but I think she kind of blocked it out of her mind. Like she Mm -hmm. would do things to try to keep like a lock on my door. But then he would say, I don't need a lock on my door. So she would take the lock off. So it was like she was also in this struggle because she dealt with her own anxiety and depression and being on antidepressant meds. And so she would take her meds and be knocked out sleep. Mm-hmm. And she would never know, you know, what happens at night. So how did you process that as an eight, nine, 10, 12 year old girl? Oh, so there was one part of me, I would feel bad because it was like I began to like it because, I mean, mm-hmm. it's sex and, mm-hmm. you know, your body, you're figuring out your body, mm-hmm. you're going through puberty and all of these different things. And so there was one point where I really liked it and I enjoyed it. But then I felt really, really bad because I, I knew it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And so I was dealing with my own issues of like, well, am I doing this? Like, am I making him happy? Am I making my mom happy? Because how he would coach me is he would tell me that, you know, you're doing this for your mom. Like, you want to make sure that your mom is happy. You want to be happy. Like, just twisted. Twisted. I mean, it's so, like, when I go back and I think about it, like, I would watch these pornography films where it would be other daughters doing these things to their fathers. Mm -hmm. And so he had me kind of brainwashed to kind of feel like I was supposed to be doing these things. So I I was all jacked up. Yeah, that's not okay. It's just when you hear it, it takes a breath to listen Mm. because all you hear is just hurt people, hurting people. What did your mom go through to where she knew these things and then just wanted to erase them from her mind. But then even your stepdad, like obviously there's something in his childhood Mm -hmm. that caused this maybe. And then here we are hurting people, hurting people, and then raising a hurt person. Man. 
it's just it's a lot a lot it's a whole lot I know it's kind of hard to find words exactly I just feel grateful that you are vulnerable and able to speak to that yeah thank you for your honesty I know those things are hard to say it took a while for me to get to this place because before this is how I know I'm kind of healed from it mm-hmm. because before when I would talk about it, I could not tell that story without snot running down oh, yeah. <laughs> my face and, you know, just crying profusely. I just think that God wants to use this story to help other people overcome whatever they're going through to know that you can get through it. Like mm-hmm. he can help you get through whatever it may be. Okay. So speaking of God, did you feel that there was a God? You said that you're mad at him. So I'm guessing that you thought there was a God at that age. Yeah. I. So we didn't grow up like going to church. Like we would go for like holidays and like mm-hmm. Easter, Mother's Day, things like that. So I knew about this, I want to say mystical person, because in my mind, that's who he was. Mm-hmm. And then there was this period of time where I kind of jumped <laughs> religions because my mom... To describe my mom, she's always been the type of person that will do whatever she has to do to make ends meet or to get what she needs to get. So there was a period in time where I went to Catholic school and I was Catholic because, you know, you got a discount for being a parishioner. So Mm -hmm. we went to Catholic school and then that's when there was like a big emphasis on Mary and trying to like understand that. So I had this whole kind of Mm -hmm. confusion thing going on with what actually who God is. A mixed drink. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it was. And I just could not understand why there is a God that would allow this to happen to me, Mm -hmm. you know? So I went through this really dark space where I tried to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. I tried to run away and I just could not, I could not get away. Mm -hmm. And I just felt trapped because I was the oldest. I had my two younger siblings and I felt like I needed to protect them. Mm -hmm. So a part of me is like, I would leave and then I would come back for them because I didn't want anything to happen Mm -hmm. to them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I was always on this spiral path. It wasn't until I really became an adult that I had an actual real relationship with God because all of my childhood was just... It was just a mess. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that real Jesus moment. Like, when was that moment when you're like, you know what? This isn't just this mystical character that I pray to or talk to, but this is my real Jesus moment. I know that he's real. I would say when I left um, Ohio, I was in Ohio going to school And then I did a study abroad in Italy and I was there and I kind of had this aha moment where I was like, wow, it feels so good to like be away from my family, be away from like the nonsense, the chaos. I just felt at peace. And so after that trip, I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply for schools out of state. I don't care where I go. Whoever gives me the most money, that's where I'm going. And I ended up going to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which is very hard to get into if you're not like a genius or a sports player. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I was like, okay, maybe this God person is real because he allowed me to get here. And then while I was there, I was all alone and I didn't have any family. I didn't have any friends really. And I started going to church and I had this moment where it was like, okay, I am where I'm supposed to be because he is protecting me. He's keeping me safe. He's allowed me to make connections with people that I should have never been able to make because he took care of me the entire time I was there. So it's like, oh yeah, there is a God where I shouldn't even be here. So yeah, that's awesome. I love that he does that. So I'm curious when you were growing up, was this kind of an internal struggle or were you outwardly rebellious? What were you like at school with other people? 
at school, I was always, people would call me almost like a goody two shoes because I wanted to do everything right because I've always wanted to kind of make my mom proud because I believed if I made her proud, then maybe she would love me. You know, mm-hmm. maybe she would care about me enough to want to stop, to want to do whatever I need her to do. Because, you know, you you have friends who had this relationship with their mom and they're like, BFFs. Mm. They are the best ever. And me and my mom's relationship was not like that. It was very competitive. My mom was 17 when she had me. So Mm. she wasn't, I don't think she was ready to be a parent. Um, She wasn't able to understand that you have to make sacrifices once you become a parent. And she wasn't ready to make those sacrifices. And so for us, our relationship was really toxic. It was even to the point where, you know, she would be jealous of me for messing with my stepfather. But it's like, like, yeah, how can you? You're nine years old. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> um, so at school, I was I was very good um, academically, kept all my grades up. Um, so it was definitely an internal struggle. And when I got to high school, I started to get a little bit more rebellious because I lost a lot of respect for my mother. And I think that's when I came to the point where I became more of the parent in our household, because after um, the trial happened when I was around 12 to 13, like that whole year. And when I the saw- The trial for the abuse? Yes. Okay. So the trial happened. And once I kind of understood the person that my mother was at that point, I lost all respect for her. Mm. And so then I would see her with her different relationships where she would choose these men over us constantly. Mm. And it kind of made me angry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's not okay. It, you're right. It's not okay. But- I've been able to process that and kind of understand Mm -hmm. that the more I began to study and understand her upbringing Mm -hmm. and try to understand why she is the way she is, a lot of things start to make sense. Because Mm -hmm. like you said earlier, hurt people hurt people. And so if we never acknowledge that they've been hurt and they've never been healed, they're going to continue to hurt people. And so that's what she did to us. She parented us the best way she knew how, which was to show hurt Mm. because that's all she knew how to do. Mm-hmm. All right. I was like literally about to cry. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> but yeah, it's just so crazy. It's like, I think about like myself, everybody has their like, why God moment. And mine is like, God, why would you take my mom from me when I was going to raise these boys and you would never meet my, like she never got to meet my children. And I felt like he took her away from me and I lived so much. Like I had a baby shower without my mom. I had all these things without my mom, but It's like, I should have stopped and thought like, man, I had 25 years with an amazing woman who taught me everything she needed to teach me Mm -hmm. in 25 years. And here you are learning as you go. But the crazy thing is too, like you said, you had a baby shower without your mom. I had those same things without my mom too. Like my mom has, she hasn't met Chloe. You know, she doesn't know my daughter. She wasn't at any of those Mm -hmm. kind of pivotal moments for me. I mean, she was at my wedding, but it was a hidden agenda behind the wedding Mm -hmm. to begin with. So it's It's like- more rejection that you had to deal with. Yes, absolutely. And it's always been like, so I got married- Literally a month later, she got married because she had never been married. So it's like, oh, I cannot be married and she's not married, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. We've always had this competition thing. Mm -hmm. Like if I do something, she has to go do something or 
it was very sick and toxic. I mean, even to the point there was one time in high school, I was dating a guy and then she starts dating his brother. It was cra- wow. like, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like the more I think about it and realize like that's not normal. Mm, I was going to say, <laughs> when did you get out of that? And really, was it when you were away that you realized this is not normal and this is not okay? Because you look at you and you're just beautiful and intelligent. And obviously I can tell that God has done just a massive work on your heart. And so take us from there to now. And Latanya kind of alluded to that earlier. Like, what was that Jesus moment like? But give us some in between. Really, like leaving Cleveland, Ohio was the best decision I could have ever made for myself. Just getting out of your environment. Getting completely away from my environment and just being by myself and trying to have to like figure it out on my own. I dealt with a lot of like, well, am I doing the right thing? Because I did end up leaving my little brother and sister behind. But I felt like in order for me to be the person that I needed to be, I had to move away. And by me being away, I learned that, you know, I'm strong. I can handle things. I'm able to focus on what I need to focus on. I feel like I was able to kind of have this real experience with Jesus because I didn't have anyone judging me or kind of holding me back. And I was able to get the help that I needed Mm because I was in therapy like after the trial, but my mom would kind of make jokes about me going to therapy in terms of, oh, well guys, we can't go have fun because Jessica has to go see her therapist. Mm -hmm. And so that type of stuff, you know, would stop you from wanting to go to therapy. It made me seem like something was wrong with me Mm -hmm. when in actuality it was something wrong with her. And so by me being away, I got to experience you know, have this one-on-one work with God for him to kind of work through my heart and kind of process everything that he needed to process in me so I could be well and be the person that I am now. Wow. You know how you always hear that God never wastes a tear. He never wastes, you know, tribulations or anything like that. It's always for him to get glory in that situation somehow. And I remember, I feel like it might've been Valentine's Day, Will Smith had reposted like all these videos of like, what is love? And Cedric and Jessica, whenever she found out she was having a daughter, he posted this little snippet of that. So of course I'm nosy and I have the fear of missing out. I go and watch the whole video and I see your reaction when you're pregnant and you find out that you're having a little girl. And then we see Cedric's reaction of the excitement and the joy why did you have that joy in that moment like that? Oh, I'm about to cry. Um, just seeing that I'm now going to be able to give my daughter that relationship. I'm sorry. I, um, I've always wanted that relationship. Like I've always wanted that, you know, that mother and daughter, like besties, like let's go shopping, let's do brunch, let's like, oh, we can do twinning. Like, because I didn't have that and I wanted it so bad. Mm -hmm. Like I could not understand why do I have a mom that's like this? Mm -hmm. I just want a mom that would just love me and that would just care for me because I felt like... I didn't quite understand who I was or who God was calling me to be. And I just felt so alone and I just didn't understand myself. I didn't understand my body. I felt as if Mm. like when people saw me, I had these identity issues where I thought that, you know, I was only good for my body. Like I have a good shape, but I felt like that's what people saw of me. They saw like, oh, this is this chocolate girl. And she has a really nice body. And that's 
all I felt. And I felt like sometimes my mom, not that she would like prostitute me, but it it just seemed like that's what she did. Like, that's how I felt. Mm. Like, she just didn't really care about me. I'm her daughter, but it was almost like, yeah, this that's Jessica. But she had this secret jealousy thing against me. So it was like, she never truly accepted me as her daughter, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so to find out that I was having this daughter, I was just so happy mm-hmm. because I can hug her and love her and just show her so much, you know. And so it was just really, it was really exciting to be able to, wow. to have that. Now you I know? want to see the video. <laughs> Girl, I'm going to have to find it. Yeah, I'll okay. show you. It's on YouTube. I'll show you. Because <laughs> we also have, like, our family has, like, a YouTube channel. Well, we haven't been active in a while, but we have a YouTube channel called The Halls Way. And so, because uh, my last name is Hall. So. Yes, I love it. So do you almost feel like this is just another step towards redemption? Absolutely. I feel like God said that vengeance is his. And so mm-hmm. I don't have to be angry or upset with my mom because everything that she sold, she's reaping now because that's why she's in prison because her mind is so Is she in prison because of the sexual abuse or was it something else? Something totally else. She ended up, I remember I told you that she got married a month after I got married and she was with this guy for like eight years and they decided, you know, oh, we went to your wedding. We're madly in love. We're getting married. Literally by that November, he was killed in their driveway. And come to find out two years later that my mom was behind it. She was the mastermind to set him up to be murdered. And it made national news. It was all over everywhere. You could not put her name anywhere without it popping up because he was a um, lieutenant firefighter. Girl. He was a really good guy. And so now she was sentenced literally like a couple weeks before I had my daughter. She was sentenced to life in prison without parole. And so now I believe God has put her in a place where she can't hurt anybody else. Girl. I know. I literally, I never without words, like never, I have nothing to say. Yeah. There's just so much here and my heart is just breaking and we're all teary eyed right here. But then I also see you and you're just this spark and I can already see God's redemption happening. So you mentioned something about how God says vengeance is his mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be ours. It almost sounds like that you've, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it almost sounds like you've reached a point of some kind of, I don't know if that's forgiveness. I don't know if that's just handing it to God, surrender. What is that? I think it's a mixture of all of those things that you said, like even with my abuser, um, with this whole case with my mom, my younger sister was also involved because my mom had used my sister and her boyfriend to help find someone to do the murder. And so my sister was underage at that time. And so when all of the news broke out that she you know, that my mom and my sister was involved. My sister had a son and I had, my sister asked me to take her son for her. And she's like, because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I'm sorry. You know, I lied. And so I have her son now. So I'm raising her son as my son. You're raising my nephew. Your nephew. As my son, because I've had him since he was 10 months. And during that time period, because my sister was underage, the only way that I could talk to her was through her father who was my abuser. So 
It's crazy. It's like layer after layer after layer. It's it's like everything is so connected. And Mm -hmm. I think God, he has it all worked out and we don't understand it. But I'll never forget the first time I had a conversation with my abuser, which had to be almost 15 years later. And I had to talk to him to be able to talk to my sister. And I was so nervous and I was so scared because I have to have this conversation. And my heart was beating really fast. I was shaking. And, you know, I called him and I said, hello. And he said, hello back. And I'm like, well, um, you know, I want to see Jackie. What do I have to do? And, um, you know, we were able to have a conversation. But then after the conversation, He texted me and was like, you know, all this stuff going on with your sister, the prosecutor on the case is the same prosecutor that was on our case back in 2002. And I want to know if you could, you know, talk to the prosecutor and just say, you know, that it's, you know, completely your mom behind everything. And I know it's a lot to ask of you. And I'm sorry that I have to ask you to do this because I know you really don't want to do it. But just say that, you know, she's the same lying person back then that she is now. And I took that for me was he was acknowledging what he did to me. To me, that was almost an apology. I still have the text message because he's acknowledging that, hey, I'm sorry, I don't want to ask you to do this, but I felt like a person who knows that they are guilty, why would they be sorry for asking me to do something that they didn't want me to do to Mm -hmm. begin with? It Mm -hmm. was almost, for me, that was the apology I had been waiting for for all these years, that God was showing me like, don't worry, girl, I got you. And so I still have that text message to prove like, oh, so you do acknowledge that you did this. I wasn't crazy. I Okay. Mm-hmm. And so from that point, I've been able, I was able to kind of communicate with him in order to be able to communicate with my sister. I actually saw him for the first time, which was really a weird experience, but I bought him dinner mm-hmm. because I just, I'm like, I'm over I'm over that part of my life. Like, I forgave you. I understand that clearly you have some issues that you have going on there. And that's the reason why you hurt me because you were hurt. I don't understand his past. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what he's been through. And I think that could have only came with me developing this relationship with Jesus and then also studying being a, a children's therapist. I understand the mind a lot better and I understand how trauma affects people. And so had I not gone through those different things, I wouldn't be able to forgive him as easily as I was able to. Okay, now you got to pray. So you mentioned the study you've done now that you're a child therapist. Mm -hmm. How does this affect your work now? Good question. I think sometimes I do have some counter-transference, which means I feel those feelings that my clients may be feeling. And so then sometimes I have to take a step back and I have a supervisor that I talk to when I'm feeling these different emotions to kind of get that out because it's not good to sit and let that stuff Mm -hmm. harbor. But I'm also really good at being able to compartmentalize my feelings and my thoughts. So what happens at work stays at work because it's not fair for me to bring that home to my family. Mm -hmm. It's important for me to keep those two separate. And so I definitely think that God has given me that gift of being able to separate, okay, that's at work, that stays there. You focus on your family and what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing what happened in your past is kind of what led you to being a child therapist, which I'm assuming is part of your passion now. It, it Well, it took me a, a while to get there yeah. because originally I wanted to be a lawyer and then going through the trials, like, yeah, I don't, 
mm. want to be a lawyer. That's not happening because I lost all faith in the justice system when I saw that he got off on that. So then I was like, you know, I want to be in business because, you know, I'm just going to be a bomb business woman who wears like bomb business suits and make a lot of money. <laughs> like that's that was my dream. That's what I wanted to do. Got to have some good heels, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought I was going to do. It didn't quite work out that way in college. I started taking econ and accounting classes. I'm like, yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> Maybe I'll just wear this. Yeah. Right. But the crazy thing is right after I graduated, I didn't have like a job lined up. I was kind of like at this crossroads of trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I ended up doing an internship at my church, which really allowed me to kind of really dig deep and do some soul searching, having me kind of figure out who I wanted to be. So then that led into a job as being the receptionist for the church. And so I would literally, people would call the church and I would just talk to them and pray with them. And I would never forget that it was this one particular girl that called the church. And I had such like this connection with that. I just wanted to make sure that she was well, like that I was calling and checking up on her. And I was like, oh, you can come serve with me. And I felt like, is there like a job that I could do that this is where I could just talk to people and encourage people. And then that's when I'm like, oh, I could totally be a therapist. Oh, yeah. And that segues me into going to school to, to study therapy. Which is very unique on so many levels. One, your story. Yeah. And then you decide to be a therapist. But also just being quite candid, which you're always going to get from me. Being African-American, it is a stigma to go to therapy. Mm. You are supposed to keep things wrapped up. For example, um, how you present. Like, I remember even to this day with our boys, it's like, we are the Prats. We have a certain way that we appear to the outside world. No, we don't have to act like we have it all together. But just now, I feel like in my adult years, I'm learning that you can bring your mess to God and you can show your mess because in showing your mess, people receive healing through your story. But... It took me a while because growing up, it's like what happens here stays here. Mm -hmm. We don't go to therapy mm -hmm. for anything. I mean, Whitney, who's been on here twice mm -hmm. to this day, she was like, I think you need to go to grief counseling. I was like, yeah, girl, thanks for the card again. Thank you. Did you go? I mean, not yet. <laughs> so now we're all. I got Jessica. I'm going to hold you account. I know, I got Jessica. That's right. To Jessica's house. She is a therapist. You're right, exactly. So, I told her about it in, in our group. I'm studying yeah. for it, so I'm good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you're so right. I mean, there is a stigma in the Black community that we don't, we don't go to therapy. What happens in this house stays in this house. You better not be going out there telling nobody my business. Exactly. Every day. Every day. <laughs> Every oh, single day. But then that is why hurt people don't get healed because so we have... They don't deal with it. Exactly. exactly. And I think that's kind of universal. Just stuffing down our crap and not dealing with it. That's so. true. Okay. So, so much hurt, so much pain, so much sin, so much complexity. But you mentioned that God works all things for good. And mm -hmm. we know that we see that in scripture. You've lived it out. Like I... literally I'm looking at you going, no one would ever know what you have been through. It's like you're telling someone else's story as well, because like you said, we're looking at you, but we also hear you. And I don't hear bitterness. I don't hear anger. I hear you truly sharing a story. And I think for you to be able to share something that deep and be that vulnerable with us what is it like in Dan I'm reading the Bible in a year, so I'm in Daniel, so maybe that's why. But it's like you went through the fire and you didn't smell like smoke. Mm. So 
What is that? I mean, it's really just having that faith in God that he's going to use everything. Really this week, I've been studying like Hebrews and the author is really talking about like that struggle of endurance, like going through it, continuing to fight through it because God's he's going to use it all. Mm -hmm. And everything that I've been through, I feel like there's no doubt about it. He's, he's going to use everything. He's kept me sane. Like I'm sane in my right mind Mm -hmm. right now. Like I'm not on any like antidepressants or any type of meds. I'm doing well because God is faithful and to continue to have faith. That is what you need to get through. And no matter what you're going through, even though it's hard right now and it sucks and it's messy, Mm -hmm. He's still going to use it and work it for your good, Mm -hmm. no matter what it is, no matter how terrible it is. He's right there for you. Mm -hmm. Just continue to have faith. And I've been studying and it just shows that that faith scripture is said three times. The Lord is reminding us that we need to be faithful. We need to have that faith no matter what is going on in our world. He's going to get us through it. And so that's what I believe. No matter what I go through, oh, this is just something else that God is going to use. I mean, God, whenever you want to stop, you know, mm-hmm. right. I'm, I'm good. Sure. But if it continues to happen, it's okay mm-hmm. because he's faithful. And that doesn't mean that God causes these awful things in our life. He didn't incite an abuser against you, but he can use it. Absolutely. And I, I know there are people listening to your story right now on the other side of these earbuds who are going through hell. And right now they're hearing your story, realizing maybe I can do another day. Maybe I can do another week. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't have to give up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is one thing you would tell another Jessica out there that's in the middle of their mess? I would tell her that your story isn't over yet, that when you allow God to rewrite your story with God being the author, Mm. you're going to be so surprised at what he can do. So like with my blog, I talk a lot about my experiences and I share, you know, a lot of the things that I'm talking about now, but even more in depth. And I explain that I'm able to do all of this because I've allowed God to be the author of my story. I'm retelling Mm -hmm. my story with him writing it. And once I've been able to um, understand that and do that, I've realized that it's all for his glory. So you talked about surprises. What are some things that you have seen God authoring in your life that have just caught you by a pleasant surprise? Honestly, most recently, it's with my blog. Like I started blogging on my 30th birthday, which was this past May. And God has literally been blowing my mind with opportunities and working with brands, stuff that I've never imagined that Mm -hmm. I would be able to do. He has done so much. I could not believe it. You know, Mm -hmm. it had to be him. I feel like me being here in Oklahoma is like, That was God. All Mm -hmm. of it, every move that I've made, the protection, I mean, me being in the career that I am, I had like a phenomenal birth. Like for my first birth, it was just crazy. Like Mm. everyone I tell the story to, they're like, wait, what? Like you don't hear that for the first birth. It's little things like that that God is showing me. Like, I got you, girl. Don't Mm. worry. Don't worry. I'm still here. It's like he's rubbing my back. You're just up for the ride. I'm (laughs) here. I'm here, Lord. Okay, what's next? So you have your nephew at home with you and your daughter. Yes. So I have two kiddos. And uh, my nephew, he knows me as mom Mm -hmm. and my husband as dad. And, you know, that is an ongoing conversation that we have with him. Him understanding that, no, you didn't come from mommy's tummy. And... (laughs) 
it was funny because earlier this week, he's like, right, because God saved me, right? I was like, yes, God mm. saved you. And for him to even understand that or even say that was just like a simple reminder to me that God is in the midst of it, you know? Mm. He's reminding me that he's taking care of everything that I need. But you are willing to say yes. Yes. And you have mm. stepped into that. That is a huge piece of yes. this. Not just saying yes to taking in your nephew, but even just changing your mindset is such a huge thing. So how is your perspective different now? That my life is not my own. It's not for me. It is for people to meet me and experience the real Jesus. It's for people to know that Jesus is real because I'm a miracle. I shouldn't be here. Mm. I shouldn't be in my right mind. I should not be able to smile and Mm. laugh and have joy. Statistically, I should be somewhere on drugs, but I'm not. I'm here and I know that that's all because of him. I couldn't do it without him. And so now my hands are wide open and I'm saying, Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you need me to do, wherever you need me to go, I'm here. That changed my mindset in terms of like, all right, Lord, you're the captain of this ship. Mm -hmm. But you've made yourself available. Yeah. And that's huge. Absolutely. Bob Goff says, he's my uncle in my head. He Just like says, I'm your sister. You're my sister. But that's like Bob Goff is my uncle. He He's not claiming me, but that's totally fine. We well, could call him. His number's in the back of his if book. If you had Bob Goff on the messy table, just so we're clear. We should call him I right now. Him. <laughs> he has his name and I'm in the back of some of his books. Yeah. I have them all on Audible, remember? See? So I don't have it. But <laughs> he says that whenever someone leaves you, they should feel as if they've left spending time with Jesus. Ooh. And... Anytime someone has been in your presence, Jess, that is exactly how it feels. Every time you've left my house and you've dropped some nuggets of wisdom on us, every time that we have been welcomed to your table, we leave feeling like we've been in the presence of Jesus. And I think that's amazing, especially all that you've been through Mm -hmm. and seeing how he's working and has worked in your life. So thank you so much. Make me feel so special. (laughs) It's your show. Mm. 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 They call me J-E-S-S-I-C-A, and I'm up in here to party. Yeah. I can't rhyme no more, so I'm a star. <laughs> but not before I drop dry. Hey! <laughs> 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 that was my white girl edition. Yes, I taught Jen how to drop it like it was hot out of bowling alley. Oh, my gosh. True that story. was hilarious. True story. True story. Here's the cool thing is that God has done so much in you and it's the fruit we're seeing it. And so it's proof of the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit has done a work in you and here you are just blooming left and right. And we shouldn't be surprised. Girl, a whole Trader Joe's bouquet. (laughs) (laughs) Blooming. (laughs) Right? I am in like I was in here like this was never said in group. I don't know. No, it's fantastic. I I'm never at a loss of words. So I definitely just like I I'm trying to breathe. Okay. I'm trying to breathe. I'm trying to not cry and trying to breathe. Okay. And I'm just I feel this like anticipation. I'm excited for your daughter to experience that. Yes. (sighs) Yeah. She first of all, I don't throw birthday parties, so there's that. But she had a one-year-old birthday party for Chloe. And it was Pinterest worthy. I mean, she turned one. Chloe will probably never remember it, but there was just so much love into it. Yeah, that's my, yeah. That's my girl. Even though she acts like her daddy, but. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. It's, fine. it's like everybody wants Christine Kane faith, but no one wants to go through 
what it takes Mm -mm. to have that. It's just like, man, I want to know God. I want to feel him in every moment. I want this relationship. And then it's just like, oh, but I just want it to come real natural and soft and delicate. And I mean, that's what I was thinking through all of this is just like, when our faith is tested, mm-hmm. we gain more faith in Christ, mm-hmm. but we don't want the testing. We just mm-hmm. want the faith. We don't want the we testing. We just want the fruit. We right. just want, yeah. But we do want to be refined on the other side. Yes. It's just going through the fire like you talked yeah, about. Yeah, we don't want that. Well, and you mentioned, and you don't even smell like smoke. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. Makes me think of that song by Hillsong. I think it's Hillsong. There's another in the I'll fire. I'll praise you in the mountain. Oh, no. Sorry. There's another in the fire. Yeah, you should look it up. I'm look it up. Have you heard, um, what is it? In the island on the mountain, all the highlands. It's like, I'll praise you in the valley and I'll pray. No, I'll praise you on the mountain mm-hmm. and I'll praise you in the mountains in my way. Ooh. I was like, yes. Yeah, that's good. Friendly reminder. That is good. All right, Jess, do you have any resources that we need to know about that you want to pass on to all of us? Yes. So there's this message by Stephen Furtick called It Had to Happen. Mm. It was so good because it brought back kind of all these memories of why all of these different things happened in my life and how they're all working together. So that was like a really good message of like encouragement and understanding like why you're going through all these different trials and tribulations. Not that God made those things happen. But he's going to use it. But he's going to use it. Yes. And then like with music, I've really been listening to, there's this song called No Bondage by Jubilee Worship is really good. And then um, See a Victory by Elevation Worship, you know, it helps you realize that you're going to see this victory. I'm all about the music. <laughs> yes, me, me too. too. I, that's that's my my way of worship is like music because I'm like jamming in my car. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I have a session where I'm like crying before I go to work. And I'm like, okay. That's all right. <laughs> right. We can be strong and we can cry. Yes. Yes. It's fine. Yes. And um, there's this song like when I'm dealing with, when I'm very anxious and dealing with anxiety, it's this song called Light the Way by Phil Thompson, which is a really good song for me. Yeah. All right, Jess, is there anything else you want to share? What is the final little message of encouragement you can give to us? The final message would be that God uses everything, every hurt, every pain, every tear. I have experienced a lot of trauma and I believe God allowed me to go through it all because I'm able to help that one person, that one listener that's listening right now, that one girl that may be struggling, dealing with the relationship with her mom, the one girl who's even thinking about committing suicide. If I could just help you understand that you will get through this and God is with you and you matter. You matter to him and you matter to me. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for being here. We so appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, Latanya, for being here, too. Love you, girls. So I'm sure you noticed not everything's tied up with a big red bow. Not many things have this flawless fairy tale ending. But God, God continually, over and over again, He enters into our mess and offers us this radical hope. Jesus consistently, yes, over and over again, is working in us and through us to make all things new. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 also reminds us, it's by grace that we are saved through faith, not from ourselves, but it's a gift from God, not by our works so that no one can boast. 
And listen, if you've never made that decision but want to, you can actually do that today, right this second if you want. There are no exact magic words, but if that's a longing of your heart, you can pray something like this. God, I'm sick of trying to do this on my own. I need you. I believe you are the one true God and that you sent your son Jesus to pay the penalty for my sin. God, forgive me, change me, make me new and fill me with your spirit. Lord, I give my life to you. Of course, feel free to say it in your own words. It really is just a posture of the heart. More than anything, when we come to him and seek his face, he will not turn us away. Well, guys, as always, all the resources, websites, music, contact information, it's all linked up in the conversation notes. As I mentioned earlier, you can subscribe for free in all the usual places. You can join our email list as well. And you can find us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast, where we'd love to continue this conversation and also hear your thoughts. Guys, we'd be so honored if you'd share this episode with a friend, share on social media, or leave a comment for us and for everyone else in Apple Podcasts. Yes, it actually helps other women find these encouraging messages of hope. And hey, as you go about your week and gather around your own tables, remember that yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.